Welcome to the podcast at the Hill. You are about to hear a message from Pastor Daniel Blaylock entitled Three Calls to a Disciple from our series Discipleship 101. Is your faith still in kindergarten? You know, I remember seeing a job application once and the person said they had 20 years experience. My employer looked over it and answered back and said, no son, they have one year experience repeated 20 times and that's not the same thing. You know, my experience as a pastor has been there are Christians like that. There are many Christians who have been a Christian for many years and yet their faith has never advanced past kindergarten. In the book of Hebrews, the apostle tells us that as the people of God, we are challenged to move on beyond the elementary teachings of Christ and to go on to maturity or perfection. We are to grow up in our faith in Christ. And I want to challenge us all during this back-to-school season to make sure we're doing our part to grow up in our faith. And to that end, for the next few weeks, we're going to be restarting a back-to-school series, and the title of it is simply Discipleship 101. Will you say that with me? Discipleship 101. And I want to start this morning by talking about the three calls to every disciple. Every person here who has received Jesus as Lord and Savior has heard God's call to follow Christ, to be a disciple of Jesus. And so today, I want you to turn with me to Mark, the third chapter, beginning in the 13th verse, and I want us to look at these three calls that come upon every Christian as they seek to live out their faith in the Lord Jesus today. Mark 3, verses 13 through 15. This is the place in Mark where we find uh, Jesus having called several of them, listing for us the 12 disciples that he has set apart for his name. Mark 3, verse 13, hear the word of the Lord. And he, that's Jesus, went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted, and they came to him. And he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word and his people said, Amen. As you can tell from all the increased traffic around our community, back to school session is in full swing. Amen. You can see it out on Schillinger Road in the morning when you pull out. It wasn't like that three weeks ago. Now if you leave your house between about 7.15 and 7.45, you better add an extra 20 minutes or so or you're not going to make it anywhere on time. School is back in session. You can tell it, right? You can see it every time you walk into Walmart and there are these bins up front of Elmer's glue and mechanical pencils and stacks of college rule notebook paper. It's everywhere. Back to school is in the air. And it won't be long before on Friday night, if you live like I do near one of those schools, your Friday evening quiet will be interrupted by the sound of cheering football fans and the band taking the field at halftime. School is back in session. And all the kids said, ugh. Yeah, ugh. It's back in session. And all the parents said, yay. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, amen. Well, I want to tell you today, for the disciple in Jesus Christ, 
school is in session today. If you are here and you've trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior, what is the next thing for you? The last few weeks, we've spent a lot of time talking about the work and the person of the Holy Spirit. We've talked a lot ever since Pentecost Sunday about what God has given to us. We've talked about God's side of the equation. What has God done for us? God has saved us. He's forgiven us of our sins. He's given us a new heart and a new life. He's given us the Holy Spirit who enables us to walk in holiness. He's given us the infilling of His Spirit so that we might have power over the world, the flesh, and the devil, and boldness to be God's witness. We've talked about the gifts of the Spirit that He's given us to serve Him. We've talked about the the increased courage that we have to be bold and clear witnesses for Christ in our community. All these things are the gift that God gives to us in the person of the Holy Ghost. But today I want to tell you the interesting thing to me about everything that comes from God is this. It has a manual transmission. Say that with me. It has a manual transmission. God's grace and God's gifts are not automatic. They are manually operated. In other words, as my daddy used to say about most things, son, they only work if you do. Amen. God's grace is activated by our faith, and faith in the Bible means obedience. Amen. Faith in the Bible is never passive, and God's grace doesn't work passively in our lives. God's grace works actively in our lives. Whenever you get in your car, it doesn't matter that you have a full tank of gas. It doesn't matter that the engine is in working order. It doesn't matter that everything potentially is present to make that car run. If you don't put the key in the ignition and turn the crank, it will never start and you'll never get anywhere. Can I tell you? The key of faith and the action of obedience activate God's power and God's grace in our lives. And God expects us to do something in cooperation, to grow in our faith in Christ. Amen? Amen. The Bible says make every effort to add to your faith this whole list of virtues, 2 Peter chapter 1. Hear me, we must work hard to add to our faith, making effort, the Bible says. Paul says to Timothy, discipline yourself for the purpose of being godly. It will require something of me in order to live this Christian life. It requires a discipline. In fact, the word disciple and discipline come from the same root word, amen? A disciple is a man or woman who lives under the discipline of Christ. We've taken the yoke of Christ. We follow in the way of Christ. And in the passage today, Jesus gives three very clear calls to every disciple. The first one is this. He calls us to dwell in his presence. Say that with me. To dwell in his presence. We are called to dwell in Christ's presence. For many years when I read this passage, I read right over the very first line there of when Jesus called them. The Bible says in verse 14, Then he appointed twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sickness and cast out demons. And when I read that, I read it basically that they might that he might send them out. He called them that he might send them out to preach. And I skip right over the line before that. There's a line before the call to preach. The Bible says he called them that they might be with him. The first calling of every disciple is to be with Jesus. In fact, for the next three and a half years, they would do some ministry, but their primary job was not to do but to be. It was to be with Christ. It was to be a disciple, a learner, to sit at the feet of Jesus, 
he was the rabbi and they were his students and their responsibility was to enroll in his school and to learn as much as they could at his feet for the next three and a half years until he was taken from them after his resurrection. For many years though I read right over that line when we think about someone being called by God we usually think about them being called to preach or called to be a missionary or called to full-time Christian service but can I tell you today the first call is not any of those things. Jesus, the Bible says, he called them to himself. Jesus calls us to himself. More importantly than any job description you and I will ever have in the kingdom is this one reality. Jesus calls us to him. Amen. And whatever I do after that may change from one season to the other, but the thing that never changes is I am called to be His. I am called to listen for His voice. I'm called to obey Him, whatever He tells me, to come and go at His beck and call. That is the challenge of being a disciple. And I must stay in step with Him because He's always moving and He's often unpredictable. And if I'm going to stay in step with Jesus, I'm going to have to be paying attention to Jesus. I'm going to have to be listening for His voice. I'm going to have to be following His leadership. Amen? A disciple, a follower, we can't follow Jesus if we're not hearing from Jesus. Now hear me today. Many times I walk in with one of my children and I will have spoken to them more than once and I'll look at one and I'll say, why don't you have your shoes on? I've told you three times to get your shoes on. And they'll look up at me invariably and they will say what? I didn't hear you. Yeah, you didn't hear me. You weren't listening for me. You didn't hear me because you weren't listening for me. And it usually has something to do with some device in their hand that they're doing this to you. And that's why they can't hear me. Amen? I want to tell you this is also the reason a great many adults don't hear from Jesus lately. Amen? You don't hear him because you aren't listening for him because your eyes and ears are full of other distractions. Don't throw your phone at me. It probably costs more than my check this week. Amen? Don't do it. You and I can get so distracted we don't clue in and hear from the Lord. And it's not just children. Adults get distracted too. I I watched the other night. We were driving back to Mississippi and we were going a different way home than we normally have gone. And it was dark and we are going to cut through Highway 63. Well, Shay was driving and wasn't sure where it was. So we turned on Google Maps and we heard the voice of Siri or whatever her name is on Google Maps. And she was giving us directions. The problem is she gets on Shay's nerves. And so Shay turns the volume down and you can barely hear her. Well, then the noise picks up in the car. And the next thing you know, we're driving right past 63. And I'm going, hey, that's our turn. That's our turn. Whoa, back up. And she says, well, wait a minute. Google Maps did didn't say anything. I said, Siri's been telling you for two miles that you were about to turn. In two miles, turn right on 63. In half a mile, turn right on 63. In 300 feet, turn right on 63. For the love of God, turn right on 63. <laughs> and then Siri says, in 500 feet, make a U-turn. Yeah. And then Siri said, why do I even try and stop talking, right? Yes. Lord help us. Many of us are like that in our walk with God. We're so distracted by the busyness of life. And then we end up on a wrong road and we wonder why God didn't warn us. And he says, I've been telling you for two and a half miles 
that the turn was on the right and you weren't listening to me. Here goes pastor preaching about having a daily quiet time again. Yeah, here he goes. Listen to me. There is nothing more important in your life than you setting aside time every day to spend alone in the presence of God. You talking to God and hearing God speak back to you primarily through his word. Many of us today are so distracted we miss out on that. Henry Ward Beecher, the great writer, once said, The first hour of the morning is the rudder of the day. Now you know what a rudder is. It's the thing that guides the ship. The morning, the first hour of the morning, is the rudder of the day. In other words, if you get off to a bad start in the morning, the whole day ends up ruined. Can anyone testify to that? Yes. If the morning is ruined, the day is often shot. And so you and I must learn to guard and plan ahead for the morning. You know, if what you're doing in the morning isn't working for you, you should change it. Amen? You should change it. You're not a victim. You are the engineer of your mornings. Amen? So re-engineer them if they're not working for you. Do something about them. Change structure. Change your routine in the morning. If we don't intentionally set aside, the Bible word is sanctify, some portion of the day to spend alone with God, it will not happen. It will not happen sometime that is just imaginary. If we don't move it to our daytimer, if we don't put a reminder in our phone, if we don't carve out a moment, we'll never do it. Many of us would say that we are too busy to pray. Martin Luther said he was too busy not to pray. So busy that if he didn't spend the first three hours of the day in prayer, the enemy would probably get the victory over him that day. Wow. Hear me. Are you advocating that, Pastor? I'll let you know when I get to three hours a day, and then I'll advocate it. I'm not at three hours a day. But I want to tell you, you and I need to have a sweet hour of prayer, not just a little talk with Jesus every day to spend alone with the Lord. Amen? Some of you, just a little talk isn't cutting it. Amen? We need to bring back the sweet hour, or at least the sweet half hour. Amen? I used to get tickled in Mississippi. They showed this program. It was called the Methodist Hour, and it was 30 minutes. And I thought, yeah, that's like most Christians' quiet time right there. <laughs> the sweet hour of prayer, and it lasts 15 minutes, yeah? The sweet quarter hour of prayer, right? Yeah. It's okay. You don't have to admit it. I know it's the truth. I know y'all. <laughs> Amen. I've seen that Bible on the back of your back dash of your car bleached out. Things cracked. You hadn't opened it in six months. Lord have mercy. You heard about the pastor who got accused of stealing the spoon, didn't you? He went over to someone's house and they had him over and he ate dinner with them that night. And at the end of the night, the wife got to cleaning the silver and she was missing a teaspoon. And she looked everywhere and couldn't find the teaspoon. And it drove her crazy. She said, I think the pastor stole our silverware. After six months, she could not stand it anymore. And finally, after a Sunday service, she met the pastor in the foyer and said, I have a question for you. Did you steal my teaspoon? He said, no ma'am, I stuck it in your Bible. <laughs> Some of y'all won't ever have me over now, will you? you <laughs> I will never be to half your houses. I already know you're canceling your invitations right now for us to come to your house for Sunday lunch, right? Amen. If you don't have a daily devotional time, then I'll, I'll tell you how to have one. Delete Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter off your phone until you get one. Because most of us spend enough time in those distractions to be able to give us at least a solid half hour or more in the presence of the Lord and His Word every day. 
Amen. So take those off your phone until you get an established quiet time. Amen. Dr. Howard Hendricks was a professor at Moody, Moody Bible College, and he was a choice man of God. He, his mentor was a man named Harry Ironsides, who was a much older, uh, very famous uh, Baptist preacher. And Dr. Ironsides was known for his walk with God. On one occasion, he came and spoke at Moody Bible Training Institute. And um, Dr. Hendrickson said, I remember a student asking him, Dr. Ironside, I understand that you get up early every morning to read and study the Bible. And Dr. Ironside said, yes, I've been doing that all my life. The man said, well, how do you manage to do it? Do you pray about it? Dr. Iron said, said, no, I just get up. But in order to have a quiet time, first you've got to just get up. You don't pray about it. You just do it. It is a discipline, and part of being a disciple is disciplining ourselves for the purpose of godliness. Amen? What do you mean? Uh, devotional time doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be weighty. It can be very simple and still be effective. In my opinion, all you really need is two elements. Number one, we talk to God in prayer. Say, talk to God. We talk to God in prayer. Talking to God in prayer is the first element of a, of a devotional time. We take a moment to take our eyes off stress-inducing issues of life and gaze on the greatness of our God. We replace worry and remember God's past faithfulness to us. We thank Him for the blessings rather than just complaining about the inconveniences. And it reminds us who He is. It resets us spiritually. We seek God's guidance early for blessing and forgiveness, for deliverance, for provision for us and our families and those that we love. Years ago in, in Africa when many of the, of the continent was being swept in revival and men and women were coming to know the Lord, there was one group of Africans who they were taught you need to pray every day and spend time alone with God. And there was nowhere quiet in the village and their homes were small and crowded. And so they would go out on the edge of the village in a thicket and they would find a spot in the thicket to kneel down and pray. And over time, each of them had a little path that you could see going out into the thicket in the tall grass where they would kneel and pray. It began to wear the grass out where they would go and pray. But it also came them accountable because if someone began to slack off in their daily devotions, their neighbor would say to them, brother, the grass grows over your path. Amen. Sometimes we need someone to gently remind us that the grass is growing over our path of prayer and we need to get back to that discipline of spending time alone with God. Is the grass growing over your path today? Do you have a daily time when you spend with God? Or is it hit and miss? Is it haphazard? Is it something that you may do one day and may not do again for quite a while? What is your discipline? What is your habit uh, when it comes to this? And I use the word habit very deliberately. I believe it is a habit. You can have good habits just like you can have bad habits. Amen? And we, make our, we form our habits and then our habits form us, C.S. Lewis said. And if you'll make a habit of prayer and being in the Word, that habit will form you into a different kind of Christian. It will have an effect on your life. Amen? We come together to pray. Secondly, we come together to hear from God. Say, hearing from God. A quiet time is half prayer and half Bible study. Amen? We come to talk to God in prayer. We also come to hear from God in His Word. We don't just come to do all the talking. I often say to my most talkative child, and I will not tell you which one she is, <laughs> you learn nothing by talking. 
She'll start on something and she'll be trying to ask you a question. But she'll get so busy explaining the question, she never comes up from air, for air to let you answer the question or help her fix the problem. And the further she talks about it, the more frustrated she gets about it and angry working. And finally she'll just stomp and put her foot down and go, and it just isn't working. Some of us do that with God, don't we? We just go on and on and on and on venting about it and then we stomp our foot and shake our fist and say, God, it just isn't working. And the whole time God is trying to flag us down on the runway going, hey, wait a minute, throw the brakes on. Let me get a word in there. Let me speak to your situation. Amen. And listen, I believe that can happen a couple ways. Our devotional time cannot just be us frantically downloading our laundry list of prayer needs to God for Him to meet. There, almost must, there also must be a time when, as the psalmist said in 46, be still and know that I am God. Be still, be still. The Hebrew word means let your hands fall. Put your hands down by your side. It's this idea of us frantically with our hands in the situation making a mess. And God finally does to us what we do to our children. We grab their little hands and say, put your hands in your lap. And stop trying to untie, further tie knots, in your shoelaces. Put your hands down. You're not helping. You're hurting. Sometimes God says to us, put your hands in your lap. Be still. And let me be God. Let me show you which way to go. Let me do something that you cannot do in the situation. Wait on me. Give me an opportunity to work for you. The primary way God speaks to us is through his word. It's through the Bible. I believe that. God's primary way of talking to us is the Bible. Notice I didn't say only way. Did you hear me? I didn't say only way. There are denominations and churches that would teach today that the only way God still speaks to us is through the Bible. We do not believe that. I believe God speaks to us in quite a number of different ways. I believe Romans 1 says God speaks through nature. I believe Romans 1 also says God speaks to us in our conscience. I believe the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, God speaks to us by his spiritual gifts, which operate in the lives of other believers. And sometimes it is through a sermon preached or a lesson taught. Sometimes it is through a prophetic word that someone gives us, a word of knowledge that a believer has about our situation. Sometimes it may be through a message in tongues with interpretation. In any number of ways, God may speak to us. I do not believe the Holy Ghost lost his voice after the last book of the New Testament was penned. I don't believe the dove caught laryngitis after he put the amen on the book of Revelation. God still speaks. Amen. In fact, Jesus said, people say, well, I don't hear from him. Well, the problem isn't that God isn't talking. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. If you're not hearing, maybe you need to check your relationship. Amen. God speaks to, don't you talk to your children? Do you just give them a book and say, I'm never going to speak to you again, go read this book? Is that how you raise your kids? It's not how God raises his either. Amen. Old pastor's Pentecostal, you saw the sign out front, we had not changed the name of this church. Amen. Church of God as they come. I'm as churchy as Noah was Arky, amen. Amen. Yes, Lord. God will speak to us, but we must slow down and get still enough to hear him speak to us. And not the only way, but I do believe the primary way God speaks to us is through his word. 
It amazes me how many people want a word from God. And what they mean is they want you to study the Bible and tell them what to do. And they don't want to study the Bible for themselves. Or they want you to pray and hear from God for them. I had a preacher one time, a preacher, drove up in my driveway one day and said, Pastor, has God been talking to you about me? I said, no, God hadn't been talking to me about you. He's been talking to me about me. Hadn't he been talking about No, he hasn't. Well, Pastor, I just, I just need a word. I need a word from the Lord. Well, I said, you know what? I'll tell you to do what I do when I need a word from the Lord. Go open the word of the Lord and pray and get still and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. The first call of every disciple is to get alone with God and to spend time with Jesus. We're called that we might be with him. Say, be with him. What do you do? Get your Bible, get a journal, get a notebook. Write down what speaks to you from the passage you read. Write down a question if you don't understand something and search the rest of the Bible for an answer. Come talk to a life group leader, a Sunday school teacher, a pastor. Let someone help you understand more deeply. But read God's Word and write down what He says to you. God will speak through His Word. It may be an example to follow, a warning to heed, a promise to claim, a principle to apply, a command to obey but God will speak to you and God's word will not lead you wrong in fact the way we test other words from God is by the word of God if I feel something in my spirit I have to run it through the test of the if what I feel contradicts the Bible I'm wrong and the Bible's right if someone comes up and gives you a word and says I believe the Lord wants me to say something to you and what they say to you contradicts the Bible as the old gospel song said I know the Bible is right and somebody's wrong Amen. The Bible is right and we can trust and believe God's word today. So I urge you, get in the word of God. Many of us say, I struggle with that, Pastor. Gypsy Smith told of a man who said to him, he received no inspiration from the Bible after going through the book several times. And he answered and he said, let it go through you once, brother, and you'll tell a different story. It's not just reading the book, but it's letting the book go through me. Letting God examine me. Let him lay my heart open and show me the truth about myself. Let him challenge me and speak to me. And if I let God's word go through me, I'll grow in my faith. Amen. Habakkuk 2 and 1 says, I'll stand at my watch station. I will station myself on the ramparts and I will look and see what God will say to me. We need to put ourselves in a place where we can hear from God. Back in 1999, John F. Kennedy Jr. crashed his plane off the coast of Martha's Vineyard. Many people believe the reason was, though he was a licensed pilot, he was not licensed to fly instrument only, meaning that he had to use external prompts to be able to fly, but he was no good at flying when he could not see things outside the plane, like the horizon or the landmarks. He struck out that night in a storm, and he was unable to see the water, where the water ended and the sky began, and he was not skilled enough at reading his instruments to keep the plane above the water, and he crashed and he and everyone on board perished with him. I want to tell you there are times in life when we cannot trust what we see and we cannot trust what we feel, but we can always trust the instrument panel of God's Word. Amen. And we've got to learn how to read the instrument panel. We've got to learn how to, as the choir sang, stand on the promises, to trust His Word, and to lean on His grace this morning. Amen. Here, what else are we called to do? We're called to be with Christ, say to dwell in Christ's presence. And secondly, we are called, not only that, but to declare Christ's message. Say to declare. We are to dwell and to declare. Verse 14b says, he sent them out that they might preach. 
God called these people once they'd been with him to go out and speak for him. They were to go out and declare the message of Jesus that he gave to them. Many people jump over the first part and forget it, but others get stuck in the first part. Some Christians love to spend time in prayer. They love to read God's word, but they never get around to the second part. They never open their mouth and share with anyone what God is telling them. They're, all, they're like the Dead Sea. They're always taking in, but they're never giving out. In order to be a life-giving Christian, I not only must receive, but I must be giving to others and sharing what God has shared with me. Hear me. We don't study God. When we study God's word, we don't just listen for his voice to benefit our four and no more. I'm not just praying and reading God's word for my life or my family. When Dr. E.V. Hill said, when God blesses you, he rarely has just you in mind. When God blesses you or speaks to you, it may not even be for you. It may be for someone else. Pastor, do you believe that? Yes, I do. Isaiah 50, verse 4. The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. God wants to speak to us so that we can have a word to speak to someone else who's going through a trial or a difficulty. We can do that. We can speak a word to the weary. Sometimes the word God gives you in the morning is not for you. It's a word to share with someone else you'll bump into throughout the day. He sent them out that they might preach. We cause us to evangelize unbelievers. We're to share with those who don't know Jesus what we know about Jesus. You don't have to know a lot, but you know your story. You know how Jesus has changed your life. And you ought to tell your story of the difference Jesus has made in your life. And you ought to invite other people to come to church with you and meet him and learn about him. Many of us over the last three weeks have been filled with the Holy Spirit in these services. It's a wonderful experience, but I remind you, as Tim Hill said, it's not given for our enjoyment, but our employment. God fills us with the Holy Spirit to make us witnesses outside four walls. Not just loud worshipers inside these four walls, but vocal witnesses outside these four walls. Amen? Amen. We're also to trust God to give us divine appointments with those around us who don't know the Lord. And then open the door of opportunity in a conversation. And then to courageously step up and share the message of Jesus when the Spirit prompts us that that moment is right. Oh, pastor, I'm afraid of... Pushing them away from God. They're already away from God. How much further can you push them? Tell them about Jesus. Share the story. Invite them to come and learn more of his love. We're called to speak a word that will evangelize unbelievers and a word that will encourage fellow believers. Secondly, we're called to encourage our fellow believers. The verse we read a moment ago says we ought to know how to speak a word that sustains the weary. Speak a word that sustains the weary. Have you ever had God send somebody your way just at the right time and they knew just what to say to encourage your heart? Amen. Have you ever uh, turned on the radio at just the right moment? Have you ever opened your Bible and it landed on just the right spot? Have you ever flipped over a scripture calendar or opened a daily devotional and felt like the author wrote that day just for the day you were going through? God can speak to us and we can share those words with others. My question is not, has that happened to you, but has God ever used you to make that happen for somebody else? Has he? If you're not sharing, you'll never know. Some of us never do anything 
that gets us outside of ourselves in this way. Listen, write a scripture on an index card and slip it to a friend and tell them you're praying for them. Jot something down on a card and drop it in the mail. Send it in an email. Post it on your Facebook page. Find a way to share encouragement through the Word of God this week with somebody. You may never know how God may hook you up with them at just the right time to say something that encourages their heart. Proverbs 25, 11 says, A word spoken at the right time is like apples of gold and fittings of silver. Amen? We are to dwell in His presence. We are to declare His message. And lastly this morning, we are to demonstrate His compassion. The Bible says not only did he call them to be with him and to preach the gospel, the message, but he called them that they might have authority to cast out devils, to heal the sick. Now, as full gospel people, many of us look at that and we say, well, you know what? Right there, that's where I want to be. The disciples were to be an extension of Christ. They were to extend his reach and continue his ministry to the ends of the earth. Like the pattern in Luke and Acts, what Jesus did, the church does. And by the same power, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The time we spend in the presence of Christ leads us to sharing in the power of Christ with others. What does it mean? Well, number one, it means authority over satanic powers. When you spend time in the presence of God, there is an authority that comes into your life. Amen. The Bible says that the apostles cast out devils with the word. The Bible also says that men took notice that they had been with Jesus. Our power, our authority is, comes by our relationship with Jesus. It's not something inherent to us. It is something by being in connection to God. Amen? Amen. Everything that you see operating by electricity in this building today, did you know that the force is not in this room? The lights, the microphone through which I'm speaking, the, the in electronic musical instruments that played this morning, they operate by drawing power from a source that is actually several blocks away from here. Amen. And they're powered nonetheless. You and I are like that. But only as we keep our connection to God can we share in His authority. Say authority. We're no match for that great enemy, the devil. Yet the Bible promises greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Only time in God's presence through prayer will overcome the strongholds of the enemy. Jesus said to his disciples when they failed to cast out a demon, how be it this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. We must pray and fast to partake of the authority and the power of Jesus. Many times we lose public battles because we failed in private prayer. Did you hear me? Many public battles are lost because they were already lost before we took the field. Because we lost them by not winning them on our knees before we engaged publicly. Amen? Number two, it means affection for suffering people. Say affection. If you spend time with Jesus, your heart will grow with his compassion. His heart will rub off on your heart. You know, you become like what you hang around. Amen? We warn our children from 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. But can I tell you it works the other way too? You become like what you hang around. And if you spend much time at the feet of Jesus, you will have a growing likeness to Jesus. Amen? Time spent in his presence. The Bible is clear that the disciples who spent time with Christ caught his heart for hurting people. They were filled with the Spirit. They continued his ministry of helping and healing everywhere they went. But we can't do it on our own, running on empty. The power's not in us, it's in him. And they connected to him. 
Have you noticed that when you spend time with Jesus, you're more patient with others? You're more attuned to the needs of others and less self-absorbed with your own problems? More merciful? You have a kinder heart when you spend time in the presence of the Lord? Are you? Or has the grass grown over your path today? I won't ask you. I'll ask your spouse and your children. How about that? Is the grass growing over your path? I want you to stand with me today all over the Lord's house. Are you following in the way of Jesus today? Are you walking out your discipleship today? Are you walking in his footprints? Has his compassionate heart for the hurting rubbed off on us? Do we share his affection for suffering people? Do we spend enough time in prayer that there is an overcoming spiritual power operating in our life that pushes back against the opposition of the devil? Well, Pastor, I was baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit last Sunday. Yes, but you'll leak out by next Sunday if you don't keep your cup under the fountain. And the way you do that is by staying in prayer. Do you hear me? That's the beginning. It's not a one-time experience. God slid your cup under the faucet. Keep it there. <laughs> you stay there by much prayer and time in God's Word. Do you spend enough time in prayer for that? Are you able to speak a word in due season to those that God brings across your path? Is there something compelling about your witness when you share with other people? Are you a ready witness? Alert to opportunities to share your faith. Aware when an opening comes up in a conversation a great chance to say something good about Jesus? Are you bragging on Him and the difference He's made in your life? Are you fulfilling your first call, though, to be with Him, to spend time in His presence? A one-time experience of being filled with His Spirit cannot substitute for a daily time of prayer. Great services on Sunday cannot replace a daily intake of God's Word and time in His presence throughout the week. You need a Bible, a notebook, and a quiet place. A sanctified time every day to sit alone with God. If you're ready to make that commitment and to receive from God each morning so that you can give out to meet others in need, I invite you this morning to raise your hand with me. If you're here and you're willing to make a commitment and say, Pastor, I am willing to make a commitment to Jesus that daily he's going to find me in his presence. Daily. You ready to make that commitment? Some of you made that commitment. Some of you haven't. If you're not ready to make that commitment, the ushers are waiting at the door and they're going to delete Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram off your phone. Because you're obviously not spiritually mature enough yet to have such time wasters on your device. I'm kidding. No, I'm not. Go lock the door. Amen. This is a commitment that we can make. And if we're going to grow in our faith in Jesus, it's a commitment we must make. You say, Pastor, this is elementary. Well, every class begins with a review session. But the basics of every Christian is this. We spend time with Jesus. We spend time in His Word. We spend time in His feet in prayer. We receive from God so that we have something to give to those who are in need. A word to speak, kindness and patience to be able to bear with their problems. You'll never get that on your own. The answer's not in us. It's in Jesus. But he will flow through us if we will get at his feet and spend time there. Every head bowed this morning. Father, in Jesus' name.
I thank you for the way you've met with us all service long. From the very beginning, we have sensed your closeness and felt your touch, and we thank you for that. Lord, this morning, Lord, as, as the choir sang, straight from Psalm 23 and other psalms, our hearts were encouraged and reminded of your promises. But Lord, the reality is, as wonderful and as near to you as we feel today, there will come moments throughout this week that challenge our commitment to believe your promises and to walk in your ways. And Lord, there will be circumstances and trials this week that meet us, and we will forget what we feel like in your house this morning. The feeling will wear off, as wonderful as it is. So God, we ask you today to hear our prayer. We need something more enduring to anchor our lives, to tether our hearts to. May it be the Word of God. And Lord, may every day find us alone with you, at least for a few moments, speaking to you honestly and listening to you intently with the Bible open in our hands. Lord, speak to us through your Word. Encourage us. Give us power. Give us a word to share with others today. And we'll bless you and we'll thank you for it. Lord, help us today to receive from you each morning so you can flow through us and pour out on others throughout the day. Help us to exchange our little talks with Jesus for a sweet hour of prayer. Wherever increasing, we spend more and more time with you. In Jesus' name, and God's people said. Before we dismiss this morning, before we dismiss this morning, let me ask you. You may be here and say, Pastor, I don't even know how to do this. I don't know how to begin. There are two stacks on the communion table down here, and I'd invite you to come and grab one of them if you need one. It's a little thing I put together years ago called Half an Hour with Jesus. Half an Hour with Jesus. There are six steps. You spend five minutes on each one. And if you'll walk through that, it'll teach you how to spend half an hour with Jesus. Can I tell you it's like going to the gym? If you'll just get started before long, you'll want to go back. And you'll see the results. And half an hour will turn into 45 minutes. And 45 minutes will turn into an hour. And doing it twice a week will turn into the three or four times a week. And then you'll find yourself doing it every day because you're seeing the benefit of doing it. Maybe you're here and say, I don't even know where to begin. I can't. Some of you say, Pastor, I said everything to God I need to say in five minutes and I ran out of steam. That's okay. Come get some training wheels this morning. Come get something that will help you begin to walk out this thing with the Lord. But the bottom line is what you use, it only works if what? If you do. Amen. Are you here? Are you committed? Are you ready for your homework? I challenge you when you come back in next week to be able to say, Pastor, listen, for some of you, you say that's no stretch at all. Well, that's because you've been saved a while. For some of you, it'll be a great improvement. I want you to walk in next Sunday and be able to say to me, Pastor, at least four of the last seven days, I spent half an hour in the presence of Jesus. At least four of the last seven days, I spent half an hour in the presence of Jesus. And I'm going to ask you, some of you about swallowed your chewing gum last week when Clarence Tillman said, raise your hand if you've witnessed to anybody this week. The problem is some of us couldn't raise our hand this week either. It starts by spending time in his presence. Make a commitment. Amen? Amen. Let's pray one more time. Father, I thank you for my friends today who've come faithfully, heard your voice, worshipped you with all their heart, given in the offering serve today some of them in kids department and life groups and will serve later this week throughout the ministries of this church but Lord my concern for us today 
is that we would be busy doing all these other things and neglect the very first call that you laid on our lives. And that is just to be alone with you. Lord, help us to know that if the root gets cut, the leaves won't remain green very long and we'll never bear much fruit. But Lord, that we must abide daily in your presence and in your word and help us to discipline ourselves to do it better. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name and God's people said. Give the Lord a great hand of praise. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast at The Hill. We pray that you were blessed by this message. For more information on what's happening at The Hill and to stay connected, visit our website at foresthillcog.org, join our Facebook page, facebook.com slash foresthillcog, or download our app from the iTunes or Google Play Store. 